got some sort of problem? You got two problems you want us to take care of? We proved everybody all over this world for five years now that the honking animal with the two strongest guys and professor wrestling and also the two best fighters. And he's not lying. Ladies and gentlemen, this week on the Loki and Jabroni Show, we bring you Joe Laurinaitis, Road Warrior Animal. And we only have four words to say. Welcome, everybody, to this very fine Saturday. It's beautiful. Down at the uh, Valhalla Entertainment Studios. It's a gorgeous place. It, it's, and it's a very nice day outside, actually. It's freaking fantastic. It certainly is. Uh, not unlike most of the week, we've had some fantastic weather here in the Northeast. And you know who got to enjoy some of it? Joe Laurinaitis himself. Absolutely. He was down in uh, the Mohegan Sun area doing his uh, little Comic-Con run-around thing. So. He's in New Jersey today, so if you're Jersey folk, and you, I, they're doing Friday, Saturday, Sunday in Jersey, so you'll have an extra day. If you mm-hmm. get us tonight, you go down to the Comic-Con, I think it's in uh, Secaucus, go down and check out the animal. Tell him we sent you. Definitely. He'll, he'll, he's a great guy. Um, you'll hear in the interview, obviously, you know, everything that... Just down to earth. He just he just wants to uh, just explain what's you know what he went through in his life. He's more than happy to explain it. One thing we didn't get to, and I know because he brought it up, and you guys will hear it part two. I would love to have him tell that story that he told us off the microphone about being in the elevator with Arthur Blank of the, Fa- of oh, the Falcons. Yeah. That was fantastic. He was just a real good guy. Oh, I definitely not was. He is a real good right, guy. absolutely. Like, but but you could tell like obviously here in the interview, but. There's there's a lot of things that they didn't buy into that a lot of wrestlers nowadays say would just to get on the train. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So real quick, uh, before we get into this, I think we uh, we we just wanted to kind of since it's almost going to be like a, a wrestling feel to this episode. Um, I wanted to bring up a fact. I mean, you brought it up in, in one of your discussions recently, and we've talked about it private. Um, the Seth Rollins cat. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and it's funny because even freaking Bret Hart. Was was went on record as a saying this guy needs to get better or he's gonna kill somebody. Was that not the most? That was the most perfect line he could have ever said. He could kill somebody. Right. Well, not only that, he needs to get better. He's not saying, dude, you suck. He's he's pretty. He's, he's really good. He's saying, dude, you need to get better because you can't control your you know what you're doing. Like you you really can't. You know what I'm saying? It's a lot like um, when Randy Orton first came on the scene and, you know, he did his he was hurting a lot of diamond dudes. cutter. But, yeah, yeah. he was. It, it, it took him a while to figure out how his body interacted with other people. Now, I mean, he pulls some of that shit off. Hell, the one he did against Seth Rollins. Yeah. Dude, that was incredible. When he, was that the one at the WrestleMania where they went to yeah, the curb stomp? Yeah, he went stomp. to fucking curb stomp him. He went up and bam, okay. right to the as long as, as long as we said curb stomp, there's a reason they took that, that move off the table. Yeah. He was hurting guys. Exactly. Exactly. So they switch it. He's doing the buckle bomb and the pedigree. The pedigree's pretty safe. If you can't take a pedigree, 
either your face is too fat or you just don't know how to how do to, professional wrestling. Exactly, exactly. So they switch him to those two moves. The buckle bomb is taken out Sting. The buckle bomb on the barricade is taken out Finn Balor. And it hurt him bad, too. I oh, mean, yeah. it hurt him bad. Sting is done. Sting could have made it, made it maybe another year, another two years by his own admission. But mm-hmm. And, you know, I've gotten some flack this week for that video. Well, Sting was 56 years old, and he said it was his bad. No, he didn't. When I got that comment, I went back, and I read all the articles from Sting, 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 about that. It wasn't my finest moment. I don't blame Seth. I don't blame me. Bad set of circumstances. Okay, you're being political. You're still under contract with right. the company. There are, some, there are some games you have to play. Yeah, you give it eight months, and he'll give you the real story. Well, it's been a year. It was last year, about this time. Wasn't it September Yeah, but, last but year? I mean, he's still under contract is what I'm saying. Oh, once yeah, he's all right, off, all right, all right, Once all right. he's off the WDB, you know. Th- once the payroll is not coming in anymore. Exactly. It, you exactly. might be right. You might be 100% right. But all I know is these aren't little names. Finn Balor, to some, is not a big name. They were getting ready to make him a big name. Mm-hmm. Sting's a big name. Cena's a big name. Undertaker's a big name. He's put them all on the shelf. It's got to stop. And Seth Rollins isn't exactly the Undertaker way up here. Or right. John Cena, a step or two below the Undertaker. Or even Sting, who probably, in my opinion, eclipses both of those names. Absolutely. Absolutely. These aren't run-of-the-mill, everyday guys. These aren't guys that have another job. These are guys that go out there and do it, and they're the best at what they do. I may not like Cena as a character, but I certainly do respect his heart, tenacity, dedication to what he does. There was a great story somewhere. Um, I forget who the celebrity was. Was kind of hoping John Cena would get sick so he could get some Make-A-Wish dates. Yeah, yeah. It was hilarious to yeah. hear that story. Yeah, yeah. Because John Cena, that's John Cena. He's 100%, 24 hours a day, the business. And you can't fault him for that. I no. can certainly make fun of him because all the little kids you see at the wrestling matches or the Brooklyn Fair or when you go to the mall all wearing their little hustle, loyalty, respect T-shirts – He's reaching out. He's, he's, he's touching those kids in a certain way. Well, Not know, like Michael Jackson, but he's let's, doing it. Let's put it let's, – I mean, as much as I don't like Cena myself also, the – you know, what, what he's offering, just, just his motto alone for kids is a great freaking motto. Of course. I mean, hustle, you know, all right. You know, he got to keep that gangster feel. But loyalty and respect. Mm-hmm. Let's take those two freaking things, two things that uh, we have I'll had go, said yes, that I'll, this generation is lacking. I'll go back to hustle when you're done with your point. But – you know, this is two things that we together have countlessly said. This is things that this generation is lacking. Mm-hmm. And and does he, you know, respect and does he have loyalty? Heck yeah. I've never seen anybody kind of not do what John Cena does, except for maybe The Rock. Not counting when he first came out. But when The Rock became The Rock, he had a certain loyalty and a certain respect that he had for other wrestlers. And he still has it for the company that made him a star. Absolutely, which he is why people away. say, yeah, when people say, well, he's making millions of dollars and he comes back and WWE does this. No, he's WWE giving, is writing that story for him. He's giving he back took, to yeah, the company. He took the fall to John Cena. You know what I'm saying? Do you think he was going to be like, yo... I ain't coming back to this unless you make me fucking, you know, unless Hogan, I actually Hogan, as this. many times as he left, came back, left, came back. There's no reason. I'm trying to remember the, the year. I want to say 04, 05. Had to be in that range because right. I went and saw Shawn Michaels and Hulk Hogan tag team on that pay-per-view from New Hampshire. There's no reason Shawn Michaels lays down to Hulk Hogan. There's no reason no, for it. No, absolutely not. Well, there is a reason for it because Hulk Hogan says, I'm Hulk Hogan and I want it done this way, brother, and... The Rock comes back and he gives back. 
absolutely 100% gives back. He remembers where he came from, and that's important. That goes back to hustle. Don't do anything half-assed. Right, right. Yes, yes. We can tell our kids all day long, pick up the socks off the floor, and 30 minutes later, what do you see in the middle of the floor? A pair of socks. Didn't I just tell you? Hustle. Do your thing. Don't stand there and look at me like I'm speaking Yiddish. You can hear me. Mm -hmm. If you whispered right, and I know your kids are outside. If you whispered right now, I have $50 for every kid. All you have to do is come get it. They'll hear that. Oh, yeah. But yeah. they don't hear you screaming at them three feet away. Pick up your damn socks. Right, right. They look at you like a zombie with a mental problem. Yeah, I went through it this morning. Pick up your damn freaking garbage. <laughs> it's all over the place. Huh? Huh? Like, come on, guys. What? You can finish the drink. You can put it away. But no, I, yeah, I, I hear you on the hustle part. Absolutely. But don't this do anything is, half-assed. This is like I'm saying. This is this is the things that you know he, he brings to the table for these kids. And that's that's a good image. You know what I'm saying? When you have somebody like... God rest his soul, you know, Eddie Guerrero, yes. and his slogan is, we lie, we cheat, we steal. It was a gimmick. It was a gimmick, and, and, but is that something that you want your kids to have? No. So that's what I'm saying. So for these kids to be running around in these hustle, loyalty, respect, it's not a T-shirts, it's, a, it's, it's kind of a good thing. It really is a good thing, and I'm glad he has millions of fans. And it's funny because the Let's Go Cena is all the kids, and the Cena sucks. Oh, Tuesday night, <laughs> I was Cena sucks all over it. All over it. <laughs> it is. It's funny. Come on, man. Everybody in that freaking place is doing it. Oh, yeah. And and you know what? Nobody's angry. It's not like Yankees, Red Sox. <clears throat> yeah. I'm sitting two seats away from a guy Tuesday night at Mohegan Sun Arena, and this guy just liked all the good guys. He must have been 35 years old, but he just loved all the good guys. So he's in our section starting the, let's go, Cena. Here's me on the Cena sucks yep. and we're having fun and at one point we started to talk to each other it was a really good time and it's, it was my first in nine years I forgot how electric those things are Yeah. yeah. oh my <clears throat> god I had so much fun I, I, I wish I'd never ever ever gotten away from it I missed out on a whole a whole thing but like you said for a guy like Cena and we'll get back to Seth Rollins in a second but for a guy like Cena to do not only make a wish but he does the be a star he does the reading campaign, the anti-bullying thing. If, if there's something in, attached to children, the WWE's in it, he's the first face you oh, see yeah, front and center. He's probably kicking down the door. I want to do this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he ju- he gives so much, and I, I give him a lot of credit, you know, and this is full disclosure. I, I dig him as a human being. I've never met him, but I dig him as a human being. He's been wrestling I, for I, I a long enough time. I don't, I don't recall him really doing any serious damage to anybody. Only you know himself. What I'm yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, he's hurt himself <laughs> to make the company better, and it wasn't like he did something stupid. You're doing the, what was the Royal Rumble one year. It, was, it, was, it used to be in all those don't-do-this-at-home promos yes. where he landed and his foot turned and his knee went the other way and it looked like a Chinese puzzle, and he's just screaming in pain. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But you're there to put on a show. And, and, and remember those words. You're there to put on a show, Seth Rollins. Yeah. I've already called you out. I have no problem doing it week after week, although you guys might get tired of hearing it week after week. You have to be careful. If Loki and I are in a wrestling match, I trust him to take care of my body and not leave me paralyzed. He trusts me with the same. You have to – I understand nowadays the wrestling fans want bang for their buck and these suicidal moves and – 
Who's the flying guy? Neville got hurt yeah, doing yeah. some goofy shit. They teased Monday night uh, Sami Zayn doing a backflip against Seth Rollins. I knew what they were doing. As soon as Sami Zayn went for his ankle, I'm like, you guys are tasteless sons of bitches. Yeah, exactly. How dare you? After a major injury on a guy you were going to take to the moon and you're going to play this role? Yeah. Maybe, and you know what? That might work in the short term, but if that's, his, if that, that's Seth Rollins' legacy is that I hurt all the biggest guns, you're not helping him. Right, you're exactly, hurting him. Exactly, exactly. So the Road Warriors, and we'll get to we're gonna get to Animal soon enough. I went I went through because I didn't want to go into this interview not having. They hurt two guys as a team their entire career, and they were both like I don't want to say they were lower. One was J.J. Dillon, the manager of the Horsemen in mm-hmm. the Cage War Games '87, and the other one was uh, like a, one of the job guys, the random. They call them now local competitors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because the guy didn't take the fall right. You well, watch yeah, a million course. people take the doomsday, you know you just loosen your body. If you loosen your body, you're going to fall correctly. Now you got this lower-end job guy thinking, I'm just going to do this and whatever, and he got hurt, busted up his shoulder pretty bad. Same with J.J. Dillon. Two guys in 20 years. Seth Rollins is at four major competitors in two years. Who's, I, I don't even know what the question is here. I mean, you got to stop this guy. Exactly, exactly. And I've, I've said it before. I think he just doesn't have the strength to be in here. I think he's not – I don't think he's doing his body enough. I think he's kind of like skating through. I think he's kissing the right people's asses, and they're just putting him in the right situations. A lot of his move sets are high fly, which is fine, which is absolutely fine. But when Rey Mysterio Jr. went on his world heavyweight championship tear – Think about the people he faced. I mean, yes, he faced the giant, but he didn't do big moves to the no. giant. He used his, you know, he used his abilities. And that's a problem. He went with Seth the, Rollins yeah, is, I, uh, is trying to do these strength moves to these bigger guys, and that's that's where we're falling into the problem. Look, he is a strong dude. Watch some of those CrossFit videos he does, and I think he's uh, also like John Morrison was the parkour, right? And he is a strong dude, but there's a difference between being in one spot. At one time, lifting something up or picking up a guy like Finn Balor, 225, running on these mats that they have outside, going into a barricade. Look, the turnbuckle has a little bit of give. They're built for that. Yeah. The barricade has very little give. It's built for that. We've, we've seen. We have a video of the, of the thing getting built. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? You can see the structure. And, and I'm pretty sure they're, you know, maybe, maybe WWE is just a little bit more safer or spongier. But you can see there's not a whole lot of give. There's a little bit, but not a whole lot. But there's enough. So Exactly. But, but if, if you're going at the speed that he's going at with no control... If you're going full force into this, because what you're supposed to be doing is slowing down before you get to there, so the impact isn't all on him. Right, and if you're the guy taking the move, like Finn Balor, and your arms are out, you're hoping, and it should be an expectation. You're not stopping, It should be an expectation that the guy who is about to put you in here is going to take care of you. His arms are out. I've watched that video easily a dozen times this week. And you watch that first shoulder. No, he takes it. Yeah, he takes it. But the way he was getting slammed, mm-hmm. it was, you know. And props to Finn Balor for popping his own shoulder back into yeah, socket dude. and getting and finishing the match. It was fucking. That's my that guy. It was just nasty, though. No, it was. <laughs> it was. But we are going to go on to this uh, interview with uh, Mr. Animal. We, uh, we really hope you guys enjoy it. Um, you'll hear towards the end there that he... Uh, He's definitely all about coming back, so mm-hmm. you know that's going to be a that's going to be a good time. And it is my pleasure to announce that this interview with Roadware Animal is brought to you by Viking Entertainment. 
If you have a karaoke or a DJ need, you need to pick up the phone and call 860-204-6876. You talk to KJ Loki or you talk to KJ Lady J and get yourself quality DJ services. A great party. I agree. All right. Animal, take us away. Ladies and gentlemen, we are proud to bring you former AWA, NWA, WWF, IWGP Tag Team Champion, 2009 WWE Hall of Famer, and as a little personal note, the father of my all-time favorite college football player of all time, we have Road Warrior Animal, Joe Laurinaitis on the phone. Joe, how are you doing today? Good, man. It's great to be here, guys. Although you probably forgot about 10 championships, and that's cool to offer give you guys. You know, I've only got so much breath in my lungs to go through all those initials, man. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I was going to say. I know. It was like a, like a run-on sentence there for a minute. That or, was good. Or the back of a hockey jersey. I think you guys are the only tag team uh, tag team champions out there to have every belt in every division, practically. Am I not correct? I'm, I'm pretty much correct in that, right? Yeah, you know, and uh, we had a couple of uh, other ones, too, like, uh, you know, World Japan, yes. Zero One, yep. Battle Arts, and then uh, a Mexican City Championship and Australian Championship, too, as well as I think we won the uh, Portland, you know, the Oregon Championship. You know, there's a lot of them right now, and that's probably one of the things in the wrestling business you're never, ever going to see again. I, I bet you never see... A tag team carry the load and be main event probably in our business in our lifetime. No, no, you you guys, I, I dare I say, and I and I gotta agree with Eric Bischoff when when he brought you guys back to the to Raw there ninety six or no it was two thousand and three my bad that was pretty much you guys' last thing when he said that you guys were one of the best if not the greatest tag team champions ever he he nailed that on the head. Well, you know if if you go by excuse me there, if you go by what the name of the game is, putting butts in seats, then and, and, and fan reaction when either Iron Man or Oh, What a Rush played, then I think it's pretty much hands down. I mean, to this day, with the exception of The Rock, maybe once in a while, nobody gets that with it. You know, they call it the Warrior Pop for a reason. Yeah, you know what yes. I mean? <laughs> yes. And, and that, that, that's a name that guy's given it over the day. And, uh, you know, you hear Bradshaw talking about it when he's talking about it on WWE. And, you know, it, it, it's thing I'm proud of, man. I mean, what it, what it means is you did your job right. And there, and there was nobody better than the Road Warriors. A little piece of personal history for you. I remember being 11 years old, once a month, go down to our local corner store with my little money and buying my candy and whatnot. Always tried to grab a copy of Pro Wrestling Illustrated, and it was the awards for 1983. And there were these two painted up monsters on the front and it says tag team of the year and i was immediately hooked i didn't care who i was rooting for. i didn't care who i was rooting for at the time couldn't tell you who i loved as a tag team at the time i said those are my guys those are my guys yeah you know we we we, we ruined a lot of young lives in the very beginning you know and i think the parents thought it was okay once we turned good guy that uh you know, it was cool to do, but you know, the funny thing is, we never changed anything. We just wrestled the Colossus, and next thing you know, we were fan favorites. Exactly. This was when you were splitting time between the AWA and the NWA at the time. Yes. Okay. And how, well, you know, we 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 were you know the greatest thing about with Hawk and I was we had Paul Ellering, right? And yeah. Paul Ellering would uh, he would book us, and we would you know we would go into a territory six months a year maybe two years and then we'd say okay you know Paul would say guys I think it's time to leave and then we would go to the AWA from the NWA you know and then go then we would disappear and go to Japan maybe do two three tours in Japan because 
you know, we didn't have to work straight when going to Japan because you could you you could, you could do very well financially in Japan. You know, and in between that, we would go to Montreal in the summertime and you know work for you know the Ruggios or Dino Bravo and Rick Martel and you know, we always had Don Owens. We had Joe Blanchard, Tully's dad, who was running San Antonio, Texas at the time. You know, the only guy we never really went down very much for was uh, Bill Watts. And we went down a few times, but maybe only like five times. I've always wondered. I never remembered a time where you went down to world class to work for Fritz von Erich. Did that ever happen? And if was there a reason why you did? You know, uh, uh, about a month ago, Kevin and I, Kevin von Erich and I, had this conversation. We said, "Man." The wrestling business really missed out on an all-time classic. If you would have had Kevin and Carrie or Kevin and David or David and Carrie, I mean, any two of the combination, I think it would have been phenomenal. You know, been a phenomenal angle and could have done great business. But we just, for some reason, they kept those boys away from Hawk and I, and we never, we never got down to world class. You know, that's crazy because I, around the time I first saw that picture in 1983 here in the Northeast. We started to get world-class television. We started to get NWA television, AWA television. And you saw the Von Erichs on at 10 o'clock in the morning. And then at 11 o'clock, you saw the Samoan brothers in the WWF. And then you saw the Road Warriors. You always had these dream matches in your head. That certainly could have been, like like you guys were just talking about, fantastic money. Oh, yeah. That, that would have been big money for sure. So, real quick. Obviously, you know, brutality has always followed you guys. I mean, first off, when you guys first came into the business, you're talking about tag team matches taking about 10, 15 minutes, and sometimes you decimate your opponent in like 30 seconds, anywhere between two minutes to 30 seconds. So most people were like, whoa, what's going on here? So let's go down. You guys are having this little beat session on one of our boys, Mr. Kurt Henning. He gets tied up in the ropes. And you decide it's going to be a great idea to hit this boy with a chair and leave him a bloody mess. The fans went ballistic. Uh, bring us through that real quick. Well, you know, Kurt Henning being the constant baby face, I mean, <laughs> it's kind of funny. If you know the history about Kurt Henning and Hawk. Oh, yes, absolutely. You know, when they, were, they, they, they were rival high schools, you know. Kurt went to Robinsdale High School. Hawk went to uh, Patrick Henry. And when they were in high school, they were the same age. Both those guys were three years older than me. And um, I guess Kurt punched Hawk through the window. They were in the McDonald's parking lot, and that was a big Robbinsdale hangout. And Hawk and two other guys were the only three guys from his high school there. So when Kurt punched him through the window, it wasn't like Hawk really could do anything. Just had to take it. And believe me, when we got into the wrestling business, Kurt Henning made sure that Hawk knew about that every day. It was the other, and finally Hawk blew up and said, I'm going to kick your ass, Henning. That's it. I've had it. Let's go right now. And you know, Kurt just starts laughing, you know, because he was like kidding around. But, yeah, you know, we were in Hammond, Indiana that day, and uh, we were wrestling, I believe it was uh, Kurt and Von Raschke. Yes. And uh, we laid out Baron, and we had Kurt tied in ropes. We hit him with a chair, and he's all he's a bloody mess. And, uh, yeah, we pretty much got in a fight with uh all of Hammond, Indiana, there that day. I, think. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, this is obviously before. There are chairs even... flying. There are chairs flying. <laughs> big old farm boys taking off their shirts and wanting to fight. And yeah, I think Hawk and I. I think I think we hit like about ten people that day. <laughs> I, I don't think too many of them would have lasted in a street fight with either of you two guys. No, nah, bro. We at that, that time we were pretty violent. You know, that, and that that was the difference in our gimmick. You know, 
if you would have taken us out of the wrestling ring and put us into the bar or told us to be tough guys, it would have worked. But he took us out of the bar and told us to continue doing what we did. And we knew, we knew how to wrestle because we both went to the wrestling school, but the different ones, we had those street smarts. And we knew how to, you know, a lot of guys, you'll look at a guy and you'll say, man, why isn't people buying that guy? I like a lot of people say that about uh, freaking Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns is great. They'll say, why, isn't they, why aren't they just buying him? Why aren't they buying him? Well, because you have to shoot it, I call. You have to shoot it. What would you do in a real-life situation? And then you have to entertain people after that. And Hawk and I just had the gift of being able to kick some serious rear ends because that's what we would do in real life. Right. And at the time we came in, man, the wrestling was at an all-time low. I mean, I would remember being in 20,000, 25,000-seat arenas that had maybe 200 people in them. Wow. Down in Georgia and making Georgia stuff was all-time low. But after about six months of those being there, now you can see they're half full. And then after about a year, well, now they're filling up. You know, they started filling up, and that's when we started taking trips around to different companies. Now everybody wanted to use this because we were on TBS for a year, you know? Yes. Now, nine, I would say 99% of the people listening to this show already know what we already know in that wrestling is athletics, but it's also predetermined. One of the things I read in your book a couple years ago, and for those of you that don't have it, it's called Road Warriors, Danger, Death, and the Rush of Wrestling, written by Joe Laurinaitis. You tell a story about being in Vern Gagne's territory against the Fabulous Ones, and there was a little bit of uh, let's say you won up the boss. Can you tell us about that? Well, you know, sometimes, Nandy, you, you got to put your foot in the stand and hold ground, you know, and and wrestling business was changing. It was changing for the better. <clears throat> we're selling out everywhere in the world. We were at St. Paul Civic Center, and we're wrestling the Fabulous Ones. You know, and even though everybody everybody knows everything that came in, I mean, people knew deep down inside that the Road Warriors are going to win somehow. And, and this business is not about winning and losing, like you said. It's everything is predetermined. But if you notice on TV, most of the time your fan favorite wins because that's what's drawing your money, paying your business, paying your bills, and that's what's selling all your merchandise, right? Yeah. So when we got wrestling the fans. The Fabs, the Fabs were baby faces too, and they thought we were heels. But every time we went out to the ring and Iron Man played, people gave us a standing ovation because the Minnesota crowd there knew that we lived in Minnesota a long time, most of our life, you know. Yeah. So get in the ring, get the finish. They want to do the switcheroo finish with the Fabs, where, where you knock one guy down, a healthy guy pulls him out, he lays fake and hurt. You go do something, he rolls you up. Right. And, you know, and I'm thinking in my head, you know, we're two street fighters. When have we ever taken our eyes off our opponents? Never. Right. Never turn your backs. Especially if there's two of us. Actually, there's three because you got Hellering outside. Well, never all three not be looking at the guy. The people would just go, it'd be like a fart in church. People wouldn't buy it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Seriously. So Hellering comes in and says, I don't think that finish is right for you guys. Yeah, I said, I was thinking the same thing, Paul. And he goes, what do we do about it? You know, we, we can't tell Vern God you know. And Paul goes, well, I know Steve Kern for a long time. He's got a short fuse and a short temper. 
you pick him up and you start slamming him about four or five times, he will go outside, get a chair, and start beating you with it. So the catchphrase of it, though, was we go in the ring, and now we've not talked to the fans. So the fans know none of this is going on. And we get in the ring, the music plays, we get in the ring, and all of a sudden, Hawk goes, Hey, we ain't going for the finish. Listen to us and no one gets hurt. <laughs> <laughs> bro, if you could have seen Stan Lane's eyes, bro, that guy's the biggest saucer. They said, holy oh, eagle, holy crap, I'm going to get my ass kicked big time in here. Because most people, you know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't even question Hawk and I. But we were nice guys. We we're businessmen. We never bullied anybody. It just was the mystique of our gimmick. You know what I mean? Because we didn't meet any, a lot of guys face to face. And so, well, start the match. Hawk grabs current, slams him five times. What do you know? Like clockwork, he gets a chair, bang, 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 DQ. Wow. Oh, yeah. Get back in the locker room. Vern Gagne is pissed off. Kaysen, one of the remark, busts out, gets to the locker room. What are you guys doing with me? That's not right. You don't change finish MDs. It's kind of the AWA. This is Vern Gagne. You know, I just sat there and said, geez, well, I guess it's the first time for everything, I guess. <laughs> if I remember the quote from the book, it was, nobody's changed the finish on me for 30 years. Yeah, that's true. It was true. <laughs> but hell, man, Vern Gagne would tie you in a knot. It's good. Yeah, you wrestled in the 68 Olympics. Oh, I mean, yeah. the guy was phenomenal. <clears throat> and it wasn't being disrespectful. That was the reason why, and I say it today, and I'll say it until I go to my grave, why the AWA started to die, because... Burn just couldn't change with the times. Right. Ooh, I mean, it would have been more at that time that we would have just stopped the fab, and I would have rather drop them with God, you know, Brunzel and Gagne. It's not. Because they it, were really over in the WA. Even though we were a little older, they were over, you know. And, but, you know, Burn wouldn't change, and, you know, that's the way it ended up. We left shortly after that. Right. And you went down. So we had a, oh, we had sorry. Robin and Tom, Steve Regal and Jimmy Garvin. Wow. Not the Steve Regal most of you guys are thinking of either. I remember him, a little blonde guy with a beard. Yeah. Captain yeah, Le- Steve Ke- Regal from Iowa. Yeah. From Iowa. That's in Iowa. Yeah. So um, you guys obviously, one of the biggest things is obviously your throaty voices. You guys, first of all, when you guys do a promo, you're cutting those little cuts. I mean, you guys, you don't just have that one little guy and the one big guy. You guys are both like growling bears. 86, Starcade. You guys are taking pumpkins, and you're throwing them off. And as the pumpkins are exploding, you're telling these guys that's going to be their heads off the scaffold. The Midnight Express. Now, yeah, one of one of the greatest scaffolding matches, by the way, I've seen growing up. And whose idea was that? You know, um, yeah, I got to give Dusty Rhodes all the credit, man. You got to rest his soul. Um, he came up with the idea. Um, he asked him if we'd be cool with it. You know, Hawk and I looked at each other and said, what in the F are we going to do up there? I mean, you know, I was 320 pounds at the time. Hawk was about 250. You know, plus you got the Midnight Express up there, and it was just, <clears throat> bro, everything you saw with that whole interview, the pumpkins, Which was fantastic. everything was all, was all ad-libbed. I'll never Nothing forget scripted that. Like, like, today, like today, everything is scripted with the guy. Right, right. right. Nothing we did was scripted. Every interview Hawk and I did, you know, Hawk was the off-the-wall color guy. I was the hard-sell guy, and Paul wrapped it up nice. You know, yeah. that was our MO. That was our gimmick. Yes. That's the way our gimmick worked best. If you would have had two guys talking dead serious, 
then people would have bought it. If you had had two guys talking like goofballs, Hawk would have, they would have bought it, but they bought it the way we did it. So you and said... We got those pump- Sorry. Go on, man. No, I was going to uh, say, when we got those pumpkins, bro, you know, it was my idea. I painted Bobby on one and I painted Dennis <laughs> on the other. So that was... And, and that's what we said. And, you know, and we said it, we thought it was a little strong at the time, but it was, it, it was good because we were actually laughing about it. We said, you know, beautiful Bobby. This is your head yep. when it hits the ground. Splat. I remember. I remember that. I remember this. The splat. The way you guys yep. said splat. Especially at the end when they when they're coming out of the promo and you see the slow mo of the <laughs> pumpkin smashing against the ground. I remember leading up to that Starcade, and I was probably about fourteen years old, going, "Oh, geez, these guys are gonna die." Yeah. Because the, oh, the yeah, Warriors bro, weren't I'm gonna lose. You. Jimmy Cornette and I were laughing about this uh, at the NWA Hall of Heroes convention. You know, Hawk and Paul and I got inducted to the Hall of Heroes, which is like yes. the Hall of Fame yes. for the NWA. And uh, Jim Cornette inducted us. And Jimmy actually told this whole story we're talking about right now. So your fans are going to relate to it real well because <laughs> Jimmy said, I was never so scared in my entire life than see Animal Hawk up there. Magilla Gorilla 1, Magilla Gorilla 2. And, you know, Jimmy was a scared of heights, too. The funniest part about the whole match, bro, and the pumpkins were great, the match was great. The funniest part for me was when I chased Cornette's butt up the scaffold. Yes, yes. Bro, or Hawk chased him up, and I was up there waiting for him. He couldn't go nowhere. Bro, let me tell you, I told the, I told a story the other night. I said, boss man was supposed to catch Cornette. Now I'm thinking to myself, Cornette's 235, 240 pounds, coming like a sack of crap from about 30 feet. Hey, no way Boston's going to catch him. Now I knew Ray Trailer real well. He wasn't like Hawk or I that could stop someone's fall. You know, we can catch him in our arms until he's curled 300 pounds. But Ray Trailer didn't work out. And he was high as a kite behind him glasses. Oh, I believe it. I know he was, because he hung around with my partner, Hawk. Oh, they, they, they were high as pipes. And all of a sudden, I looked down, and I said, Bubba, you ready? You know, boss man in that high voice says, Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, bro, Cornette let go, and he fell three feet away from from boss, from Bubba. Oh, yeah. And he was screaming because he blew up both knees, which was sad, yes, but I was laughing. Yes, yeah. We were in the opera. I totally laughed up on that scaffold so much. It was the funniest thing that he, he bounced like a freaking Super Bowl. <laughs> so now you said that was Dusty Rhodes' idea? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's not the first time scaffold matches were done. Right, it's right. the first time they were done on a national level or international level. You know, the Rock and Roll Express had some of those probably a couple of years before, you know, down in you know Memphis area. But uh, nobody was going to have them. I mean, the main event, I did like... A hundred of those things. There's a main event match around the country. You know what I mean? Right. So how how cool I mean, was it was... to uh, go to Hall of Fame WWE with Dusty Rhodes then? I mean, you guys uh, pretty much were inducted at the same time, uh, Road Warriors and, and Dusty Rhodes. So, I mean, that must have been kind of special to you, especially since, I mean, reading from what I've been reading well, yeah, and, I, and I everything did, else. I think, I think wasn't Dusty was after us. 
Was he after? I thought it was the same year as you. I, I'd have, I had to, to, I'd have to double check that. But no, I no, it was no, the man. Same year. He, he wasn't up there on stage with us, man. I was up there oh, I know he definitely. Oh, that's right. You went with Duggan. Abdul- that's right. Yes, yes, that's yeah, right. Yeah, Duggan, Abdullah, Hawk, and I, Sonny, and um, Shawn Michaels. Still not a bad crop to go in with. And Sonny was actually LOD, too. That's right. For a Sonny short brought time. you guys back in, what, 2000? Yeah, so, man, yeah, but we, we, didn't go, we, we didn't go in with Dusty Rowe. We didn't get to it. You know, that's some things in the wrestling business that I think that they do wrong with the Hall of Fame. How do you not have me or Ellering and Dusty Rhodes or somebody else who's with Dusty Rhodes? I agree. You always have fire do Dusty Rhodes. I mean, Dusty was our six-man partner. You know, we did a lot of crap together. Absolutely. Our families knew each other. You know, it's it's a shame, man. And WWE missed the boat because, I mean, I don't do any fan fest for them for WrestleMania. I haven't done anything since I got put in the Hall of Fame in the last, you know, 2011 I got put in. So right. figure that one out. You know, but even before that, for, you know, for a long time, I've not even done, any, or done anything with those guys. I retired in 2006, so it's been... Ten years, I've not done any appearances for WWE. That's shameful. That's well, that's really because I, I still believe that they <clears throat> McMahon had no idea what to do with you guys, number one. Number two, when they did actually bring you guys back with that whole, was it LOD2K, and they brought you guys out with the shining silver shoulder pads and the biker helmets, didn't, didn't uh, freaking Hawk throw his helmet and never saw again? <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, but but see, but, but here here's the thing, you know, we those were actually hockey goalie masks. Yeah. In fact, we uh, we we always kept our gimmick ahead of the curve as far as different things, and that's been in with the present day. The problem is, bro, you look back on time. Hawk and I never got the push marketing wise that you saw with Hogan, The Rock, Cena, Daniel Bryan, anywhere. You ever saw Hawk and I on commercials like you did Randy Savage? Absolutely. You never saw Hawk and I on the front cover of any movies or any boxes or any games. You never saw Hawk and I push like that. Therefore, our sales weren't as good, but our sales still did phenomenal in that company. We we just you know we were treated like the redheaded stepchild in that sense, but uh, we were still one of their top grossing marketing deals. The difference is, man, everybody else I mentioned. Was invented by Hulk, by Vince McMahon. Yes. Hulk and I weren't. Kind of the same we reason why. Established. It's kind of the same reason why Ric Flair didn't translate when he came in in '91. He wasn't a creation. He was Ric Flair in exactly. big capital Rick letters. Flair was Ric Flair was Ric Flair, and that's why he was treated like crap in the very beginning as well. <clears throat> you know, he he sits then and you know repaired his relationship with McMahon and, you know, Vince has helped him out financially and different things like that, I guess. But from what I hear, I don't know for sure, so I can't say it. He, he's written in his book. <clears throat> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Ric Flair's word written in his book that he has been helped out in that way. Well, I'll tell you what. Yeah, so, I mean, so, you know, and, and I have it that I've never asked, but, you know, <clears throat> you know, all the years, and I'll be honest with you, man, my natural thing for me is coaching. I think I did pretty well. I had a daughter who skated on the U.S. Olympic women's hockey yeah. team, you know, the farm <laughs> called the Minnesota Whitecaps, and I had a son that's played in the NFL who I coached and showed him how to play football. Absolutely. So I kind of know sports a little bit, I, right? I, I would have to agree. And, and I, I, the guys I coached that I knew in wrestling uh, that I helped out, uh, one of them is called the Warlord. Um, you know, I, we, I went in the ring and worked with him. You know, Barry Darso I went through camp with, you know, and uh, 
you know, I went down and uh, went WWE at the camp down there. I worked with Mason Ryan and Big E and a lot of the guys down there. So I do know how to coach. And I've been trying to get into that coaching thing. I told him I'd come down to Orlando and be the man and be the head coach. Bro, it just never works out with that company. And, you know, I'm tired. Quite frankly, I'm tired of trying. And, and you know, it's funny. We had Gary Wolf on a couple times, Pitbull, and he has said the same thing. He has offered himself up. Let's teach these guys old school. We know how to bring in the business. We know how to build the heat. We know how to get asses in the seats, pardon my language. And, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. And no offense to either of you guys, I think you guys could do a great job. I'm going to put I'm going to put the shade on the WWE, whether it's Vince or whomever's running the show. They're missing the boat on taking someone who is a proven heat, just a heat missile that could teach these people. Dusty did a great job with a lot of these young kids. God rest his soul. But you have to teach the guys the other side, too. Well, the last time I saw Dusty about three months before he died, he, he I saw him at a convention. He said, animal. Do you mind? I'm going to throw your name into the hat. I want to, I want to put your name in as being the head coach of running that school because I'm not doing it anymore. I'm getting ready to retire. <clears throat> I said, bro, I love you, Dust. Just let me know, man. I said, I moved to Orlando. Okay? Said, my dad's down in Florida. My brother John's down there. Everything else. Never heard a word. Never heard Pete from them. Anything else. And you're right, bro. My view is in order to teach people the basics, how to start out the right way, and teach them how to be prepared to get to the Super Bowl, you've got to have played in the Super Bowl. Amen yes, to that. Yes. And you're not going to get any higher than Hawk and I had 22 years together of main event matches. I've learned from every top main eventer from Harley Race to Ric Flair, from Arn Anderson to Stan Hansen to Boozer Brody to the Briscoes to Funks. Name goes on to Tommy Riches and, you know, Orndorff to Tito Santana. The list goes on and on and on. Rick Martell, everybody. As far as, as well as great tag teams, and I have a wealth of knowledge. Our business needs to go back to basics, bro. If it doesn't go back to basics, you're going to see it decline. Absolutely. We used to, we used to go, visit our residency school in the 50 million homes. Now it goes into 2.5. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And that tells you that something's wrong and someone doesn't like the product that's out there right now. I, I can well, say this. They're, they're practically ahead, giving WWE.com away. I mean, how, I mean, it's, it's like, it's a, it really is. It's, when you have something as popular, I mean, and, and you're talking, you have some great matches that you can go back in the 90s, 86, I mean, the 80s. 86 know, to 88 was the peak, in my opinion. You have some fantastic matches that you could just continuously watch over and over again, and this is what these guys are trying to sell on. I mean, we talk, We were talking well, about yeah, it earlier. And, 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 and I want to make myself clear here. It's not the athletes in the ring. Right. They can do fantastic stuff. Right. Now, do I think that you you need to have more of a discrepancy between people love to see behemoths, they love to see big built guys, they love to see athletes in the ring. Um, Do I think there needs to be more discrepancy between guys wrestling each other? Yeah, you can't have two guys in a ring wrestling for the world championship and look like your accountants. That's a good point. And they're built like your accountants. You know, you have to have guys that look like athletes, and that's why I think we got away from for one. I think, two, people want to be entertained. The guys are great, man. It's just that what whoever is telling them what to say interview-wise and whoever's giving them their lives, that is not working. Well, here's it's a, not working. Going on your point real quick, if you had a guy, instead of these Hollywood writers feeding, and I'm just going to throw AJ Styles out there because he's, he's hotter than the sun right now. 
if you had somebody other than a Hollywood writer, let's say Triple H used to write his own, uh, you, you and Hawk used to write your own. Let's even go so far as to say The Rock used to write his own. If you had somebody who has the in-ring knowledge saying, here's some bullet points, go out and hit them, it's sink or swim, would that be helpful? Well, that's the way the business was. Hawk and I never wrote our own. Nobody did. We just came up with it on the fly when we went out there. Right. Okay? Same, same with the wrestling match. You know what you're going to do when you start the match. You know what your end point's going to be. You, you got to figure out the, the rest. Right. Well, it forces you to think. It'd be no different if you had a job going in to be a freaking vice president of a corporation and you just went in there and clocked in. And if you have everybody telling you what to do all day and then you clocked out, how are you learning to be the vice president? You're not. Right. You have to go in there and you have to be vice presidential and make the decision. Tell this guy this is a great job. No, you, you're wrong, boom, you're fired. You, know, you have to do that stuff to be a vice president of a corporation. You have to be that man. <laughs> and how can you be the man if people are telling you what to say, what to do, how long to do it, you know, who you're going to wrestle the right way or wrong way, what to say in an interview, and, you know, you, re- you rehearse the match, and it's 20 minutes from front to back, and if one thing screws up, then what do you do because there's no last living? That was the biggest point in our business. Guys, like, I've broken my ankle in the ring. I remember breaking my ankle in Japan mm-hmm. <clears throat> against Jumbo Ceruto and, uh, and, and uh, Richie Choshu world title match for the uh, all Japan belts. And I went to do a tackle with Jumbo. There was a hole in the ring. I broke my ankle. I looked at Hawk. He goes, Adam, you're completely away with that. I said, I think I just broke my ankle. He goes, I'll take it over from here. Hawk did the match for the next couple of minutes until my own body's morphine kicked in. Then I came back in when we got ready to go home. That's knowing what to do at living, how to keep the match going right. on a pace that's going from ring experience. Absolutely. And I think that what happened today Guys would be lost. No, no, we we no. see it. Yeah. We you see know, it actually the happening. There's two exceptions. There's two exceptions. Cena and Randy Orton. Absolutely. Yes. You know, and I think you know Taker and Brock. Right. Yeah, but there, I guys, consider Taker old school. I, right. And, and I put Cena in the old school. Too. I'll put Cena old school because he was raised old school. Exactly. Now, when you brought that point up, I remember watching a match. I want to say it was a couple six yeah. months ago. Was it? Uh, they the, look lost. The high flying kid yeah. Neville. Hurt himself Look lost. against Jericho. And Jericho actually has yep. to instruct the referee what to do because, again, Jericho started in 1990. He's old school. Neville, I don't know how long Neville's been in the business. Again, I've, I've been out of the loop from 2007 till about a year he ago. He hasn't been in the business long. I know that. Okay, like, so maybe like Jericho eight, has years. to instruct the referee what to do. Who's the referee? Charles Robinson. Charles Robinson's been in the business forever. So th- there's that discrepancy. Yeah, Charles, Charles should have known, known better. I agree. And going to your point before but Mike we, gets into Yeah, his... exactly. The point is, we saw that. Right. We saw them messing up. It was live on television. There was no hiding that. You guys hit it. Well, you bro, guys it, were able to do that. It's the same thing. If you remember, it's the same thing from when Hunter attacked Roman Reigns outside. And you saw whoever that black announcer was hand uh, Roman Reigns. Right. The blood gimmick. Oh, yeah. yes. The, the, the capsule that he said he broke his nose with. Byron well, And then Sexton. Roman Reigns tucked it, on, tucked it, on, tucked it under the... The, the counter there. Yes, yes. You, you can't, bro. That was so obvious on camera. But Joe, I have <laughs> to miss it. Joe, I have to throw this out there. If that had been done twenty years ago, nobody blinks an eye. Now everybody's got their little gimmick phone and the in the crowd, and they're filming yeah. everything, and they're going to catch it. So it, 
it's more important now for the performers to be a little more creative and maybe a little more secretive so as not to rip the curtain back and you see the wizard with the wheels yeah. and all of that. Absolutely. I agree with you. I agree with you guys a thousand percent. That's what I mean about going back to basics. Absolutely. I got to agree going with you. Going back to basics. So, and it's kind of ironic that the only match where anybody gets blood happens to be the boss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Now, okay. speaking, I'm speaking not, of bosses, right you <laughs> no, because I'm going to do it for you. <laughs> speaking of bosses, it almost seems like these guys have it out for anybody that was almost, say, better than them. They did it to Sting, and in 2003, I really felt like they did it to you guys. Kane and RVD you know, but, have the belts. You guys yeah. go in. I mean, when they played that music, oh, and you hear, what a dude, that crowd went Insane. I jumped off my couch. Insane. Insane when Bischoff said that, right? You lost to a five-star frog splash. Kane and RVD keep the fucking belts, blah, blah, blah. This is the last time you guys are ever seen in a WWE, WWF arena, whatever the fuck it is. Why the fuck? Oh, I'm sorry. My apologies. Yeah, wait, 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 wait. Why does I, I'm just I'm, I'm heated on that one. <laughs> why does why do they do that? Why do they do that to you guys? Especially, like well, I said, I'm, I'm a big fan of you guys. That, I'm a I big fan of Sting. Was, here, here's, what, here, here's what I think. I think that was a major hand slap. Um, Hawk had taken some time off, had got himself right, and gotten right in the head and was being a, uh, a great employee. Came back, and we just wanted to show Vince, and we, we had it, and we are ready to do real good business. You know, Hawk, for the first time, was right for hand. He wasn't going to mm-hmm. do any, any kind of drugs or drinking or anything, right? Came back here, bro. If the if they would have done business right, bro, they should have had us take the belts that night. Baltimore went freaking crazy. I agree, crazy, and it was tailor made to put the tag team belts where they should be. But guys, as you know, that place has never been a tag team territory. No, I agree. I agree. They're trying now, and they're missing the point. They're almost getting too comical. I love New Day. They're great guys, but they're getting a little bit too silly. You know what I mean? And none, yeah. and none of the other teams mean anything. I, no, I, I right. think, I think. just if you don't mind me throwing this out here, I think in the last three weeks they've kind of pulled the comedy back off the New Day and tried to make them tougher. But it's already too gone. You, you th- it's too far gone. I agree. At this point, I, I it's can't too disagree. far gone. I can't you know? Well, yeah, but they, they may have. I haven't watched it, but, but there's a little bit. There's things going on that, I mean, I mean, I see and I look at it as a fan. I try to look at it as a fan. Nothing against the Usos, but, I mean, if you didn't know better by the way they talk and do their interviews with the gold teeth and everything, I wouldn't think they were even Samoan. Nope. No, I agree. <clears throat> you know what I mean? And, and, and my thing is, stay within your parameters of your gimmick. Right. You never saw Hawk and I drift out to anything else. No. You know what I mean? Stay within your gimmick. It'll keep you over and you'll get over. My, my point is, is that, man, I don't know if, I think you need to have a different captain of the ship. As far as, now someone should be heading up the tag team division. Bro, I would have loved to have done that. Yes. The women and are going nuts get the guys right now. Direct them in the way they're going, but it's never going to get fixed, man. It's, it's just not going to get fixed. I agree. And I agree with you, you 100% know? as well. The women are being booked correctly right now. To the point where I'm up the last two nights sitting in the house with the girlfriend. I watch Raw. I watch SmackDown. When the women come on, life stops. When 
certain matches come on that I'm not interested in. I'm on my little phone. I'm reading a book until yeah. until AJ comes on or until Finn Balor comes on. I'm, Bro, I wonder, I'm, I wonder how many people change the channel. That's a good <laughs> question. Like, 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 no, like when you have tag team matches and you see the champs out there against uh, who are those two guys who look like old timers with the mustaches? Oh, um, the uh, the the vaude villains. Yeah. Oh, that's like the dumbest gimmick I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. I got I got chastised no, for saying that's like, that. That's like asinine to put two guys from the freaking forties and fifties look out there and think that people are going to be able to relate to them. <laughs> Not anybody Ex- in the stand, exactly. Even the parents or grandparents can relate to the vaude villains. I'd be the guy who <laughs> says, "Scrap the vaude villains." Put a couple guys out there dressed like David Lee Roth from the 80s. Give something that people could almost have a frame of reference to. Yeah, no shit, bro. Get you guys and call them Metallica. <laughs> I mean, it's just, no, but something to that aspect. You know what I mean? Seriously, hey, of, 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 of kick-ass rock guys. It didn't Not work for w, uh, the, the WCW and the Demon. Would be poor Ascension. Ascension never stood a chance. No. Oh. Oh, and, and you know what's sad about the Ascension is they actually look like they were they were gonna go places, right? And then they yeah. just kind of like dumped them off. I, I really do feel like well, WWE bro, the, doesn't the, the, know the what thing, to do. The, point, the, the, the thing that killed the Ascension, the first time you start ripping on Hawk and Eisner, and you're done. Exactly. Yes. 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 Well, and, and I say this with all modesty and respect. There's guys in our business, bro, that should be talking positively about every time that they want to that a wrestler now should try to achieve. They should try to be like a Hulk Hogan and get to that over status. They should try to be like an Andre if you're a big man. They should try to be the consummate champion, like one of the greatest of all time, Bruno San Martino. Yes. Right? They should try to be as great a worker as Ric Flair and try to be as, as over as a tag team as a road warrior. Those five entities, anybody else, leave them alone. Yes. Don't talk about them. Because the minute you, know, you, you the minute. The minute you take a dump, look, I'll, I'll throw a baseball reference out there. If you're an up-and-coming shortstop and you take a dump on Derek Jeter, you're done. Your history. People are going to go, I hate you. There ain't no way you're better than Jeter. Right away. And it's gonna, you cannot help. Bro, when you've been engraved in people's lives for 22 years, there's no way it's gonna, you're going to change people's minds. Oh, without and, question. No way. Without question. Now, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this up. When this interview drops on August 27th, it will be 25 years to the day. SummerSlam 91, you guys are in Madison Square Garden with the Nasty Boys, and you win the WWF World Tag Team Championships. Um, Everybody, if you haven't seen the match, guys, go out, YouTube it. It's out there. Watch the match. But, Animal, tell me, what was it like to be in the most famous arena in the world to finally have that last, at the time, it was the big three, AWA, NWA, WWF. You have the last piece of the puzzle. What was that like? You know, I have to admit, in all honesty, bro, it was like it was happening for real. Really? I mean, you, you even Hawk and I got goosebumps. It was so loud in that building. And you look out in the crowd and you see guys like Lou Ferrigno and Regis Philbin and all these stars there. And, man, New York City's got a life all its own, right? We all yeah. know that. I love New York City. And it's one of the best cities. Right now you're in one of the classic buildings of all time, Madison Square Garden. You've got its own TV show Monday nights from the garden, right? Yep. And when we were on there, and the National Boys, i got to give them credit, bro, we beat the crap out of each other. 
<clears throat> but it was a Chicago street fight match, and when we went over, because we really had to, you know, right right when I gave uh, SAG to Doomsday, people knew, oh, shit, here it comes. <laughs> and they, they, they not only cheered, I called it an explosion. And, bro, it wasn't like a two-second cheer either. It went on for ten minutes. Oh, yes, yes. It was the LOD, crazy. The LOD chance, you know, the LOD, L-O-D. I mean, it went on and on and on. It definitely was probably, it probably, of all the championships that we won, I should say probably, definitely, it's definitely the highlight. Let me, let definitely me, the highlight. let me hack the WWE network and let me just play your music for five seconds during a live Raw event. And I guarantee you, the, the, the crowd would erupt. The reason being is, A, you guys were so fantastic that you, you stood the test of time. Your gimmick was well beyond established. I mean, let's face it. You guys, you guys could come out today and, and totally rock it. Completely rock it. Bro, if, you, if, you, if, you, if, I, they were, if I were to go to an appearance, I could be a general manager on Raw or something, you would hear, well, I'm telling you, bro. I, I agree. I'm telling you that people <laughs> would go crazy. They would go absolutely nuts. I love hearing that. I still love hearing that. I'll friggin' run down the street and just play it just for the fun of it. <clears throat> yeah, come on, man. <laughs> so I know you didn't change your gimmick a whole lot, but what was more fun for you guys, the heel or the hero? You know, um, I think it got to be more fun chasing the real devious like heel. I mean, after working with the Horsemen and Midnight Express, guys like that, it made more sense for us, and we knew, and the Coloss, it made more right. sense for us to wrestle as good guys. Right. Because I think Hawk and I, for the first time, a tag team was like the modern day, if, if, if Superman had twins, that's the way they looked at us. You know, <laughs> like, it, it, it was like the Superman and freaking the Flash tagged up together. You know, we were like modern-day superheroes. No, you guys you know, were. Every kid out there. I mean, shit, we had underwear made of us just like kids did. Which is why the, you know? the nickname Legion of Doom worked for you guys so well. You know what I'm saying? Because it, it really well, was. I mean, the Legion of Doom is DC's ultimate group of bad guys, you know? Joe did well, a bro, fan- I, I, oh. you know, you know where I got that from, right? <laughs> from the old Super Friends, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, back in the Legion of Doom, <laughs> Hawk and I were leaving the hotel one day. He and I and Ellering, and the, the Super Friends cartoon was on. The guy said that. I looked at Hawk. He looked at me. I said, "We got to use that." Nice. Yeah. <laughs> that's perfect. That's where the Legion of Doom was born. That's fantastic. And Al, and you know, and it's always been. The Legion of Doom, the Road Warriors. I remember Tony Schiavone saying it over and over again. It was always both. It was never Road one Warrior or the other. Hawk and Road Warrior Animal. No, That's man, how you it, guys it were announced. Precious Paul. It was always Precious Paul Ellering presents. Yes, from yes, the Legion yes. of Doom. Yes, what, the Road Warriors, Animal and Hawk. And what you a know, lot of people, Animal Hawk, the Road Warriors. A lot of people don't realize is you guys had the Spoiler, King Kong Bundy, Jake the Snake, uh, the original Legion of Doom. Yeah, 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 that's true. And a lot of people don't re- I've gotten into not fist fights, but knockdown, drag out, verbal Spunk confrontation battles. where, oh, the Legion of Doom's always been Hawk and Animal. No, no. no. There, there's a nice little back. list. Yeah, yeah, there is right? a nice little list of yeah. LOD. <laughs> there is a nice yeah. little list. Well, guys, my phone's getting ready to die here, man. I got to go run some errors. Absolutely. Oh. Hey, we got to thank you very much for taking time out of your day and, and coming out here and uh, 
joining us for this interview, man. It couldn't be any better than this. No problem, man. Guys, anytime you want to do an interview, I'll be more than happy to get on there. And, uh, you know, uh, I don't like it. you got to remember every time you talk with an animal or what happens, you do you guys know what's going to be, right? Well, we both have a lot of questions. <laughs> about what a rush. Awesome. A lot of questions left on the table. We might be in touch with you very soon. Heck yeah, man. Anytime, guys. Hey, Thanks, thank Joe. you very Appreciate much, it. man. We'll you know see what? You. Let's, hey, let's just do that right now. This is interview part one. All right. We'll do interview part two coming soon. You got it. You, got you heard it, it here first from All Road right, Warrior Animal. All right, guys. Thank All right, you. Man, have a great one. All right, man. And I'm coming back, brother. <laughs> <laughs> He's coming back. I tell you what, guys. Uh, we, we've been kind of holding on to this one for about a week and a half now. Yeah. Longest one. <laughs> we, we did the, uh, yeah, exactly. We did the other one uh, last week, and we had to fill it in because we needed Ed uh, to do it last week because he is taking care of his normal job at the Woodstock Fair, right? Brooklyn Fair this Brooklyn week. Fair, Woodstock Brooklyn. next week. So, yeah, he's, he's fairing it up with some fair food. He's going to come back like 20 pounds heavier. You watch I don't know. I've seen him sweating water weight out sweating yesterday. Bullets. He's easily 15 pounds lighter than when I saw him here Saturday. No, I'll tell you what, man. It's, it, is, it, is, it is definitely warm as shit. It's that, that humidity going on. So one, one thing I take away from that talk with Animal is that much like any one of our guests, they're not sure how to take us. You know, and I, I, props to Gary. I think Gary might have put in a good word for us. Gary Wolf, Pitbull, number one. Big ups to you. Joe came through the door, and he started talking, talking, and how long into it before we became bro? Yeah, no, I know. Before it was like, hey, guys, hey, guys, hey, guys. Now he's comfortable. Bro, bro, bro. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That, that was one of the things that, like I said, I, I, really, I really liked about it was, you know, he was just completely involved in it, completely just, just, just there, you know, like it was – you can't, you can't beat it. You can't anyway, beat it. he, he kind of sounded very, you know, I, I, I believe it's genuine. Dude, my phone's about to die. Yeah, no. We'll do part two. Let's call this part one. No, he, he, yeah, he fuck yeah. yelled it out for us, and That's we loved right. it. Um, so, like I said, when you guys are going to hear this interview, you're going to go through it. Make sure you guys leave those comments. And if you have any questions for the part two that's coming up, man, we've been more than happy. I mean, we still have a list that we want to mm-hmm. go through for uh, we didn't get a chance to talk to him about. But, um, I mean, the accomplishments that... Th- you know, the Road Warriors, a.k.a. Legion of Doom, as the WWE started calling them, they were, they're, they're undeniable. They're, like we said, we, we, can, we can break into the studio tomorrow, play their music, and, and if they don't walk out, there's going to be a riot. Yeah. There will literally be a riot. And, and some of these kids that don't even know who LOD is, they're going to see their parents stand up and going, what, what, what right? what's going on? And the, parent, the kids are going to be excited. What are you excited about? What are you looking for? Not, you know? to, not to give away too much for part two, but the, I do have Ascension questions. Yes. Ascension, Demolition, Powers of Pain, Headbangers, all these guys who came out with the face paint and, and put themselves out there as, we're badasses. Well, you are not even close to these guys well, over let's, here. Let's not forget when they brought him in, they were supposed to be against demolition right. and and we talked about the fact that they didn't even get the real demolition no, they, got, they got, got this half-assed watered-down demolition and even when they were trying to sell these demolitions as badasses and you could tell that they were trying to get them to kind of almost go over on them but not you know just to make it exciting they were stretching they were stretching mm-hmm. because that that was not the demolition that we were used to when if you guys it 
don't hear it in the interview. Didn't hear it on the live feed. I know I did it a couple times. And during, do you know what's fucked up last week? Mm-hmm. The Road Warriors, Danger, Death, and the Rush of Wrestling is Joe Laurinaitis' book. Go out and pick it up. He talks about it in the book where they had talked about coming into the WWE a couple years earlier. Money wasn't right, this and that. The Crockett folks down south offered him more. So Vince went out and created his own Road Warriors. He created Demolition. What bothers me that about that is two things. One, this is the number one team in the entire world. If you are Vince McMahon, you want number one. Now, if, I'd have, if he'd have called back, I don't know if Joe ever did call back and say, hey, Crockett offered us X, we'll give you Y. That's what would have been my first thing. We will give you Y. Right. We, will, we will up the offer. I, if I'm going to be number one, I want number one. And they eventually did go. So if you can't have the Road Warriors, we create our own. Here comes Demolition. No different. Heck, I think Joe says during the interview, they grew up with Barry Darso. Yeah. Demolition Smash. Mm-hmm. You, it, they, when Demolition came out, most of us, like you, like me, we're looking and going, are you kidding me? Right. These are like low-rent road warriors. It, it was like when Hall and Nash jumped ship, and then they came out with the new Diesel and Razor Ramon and made them a tag team. Oh, yeah. You remember, you remember that? And oh, yeah. Diesel it was, was all terrible. fat-faced. And Does Razor, anybody, Razor don't Ramon. say a word. Don't say a word. Trivia question. I have a six-pack of beer for the first person that comes in with this answer. And you cannot, if you use the Google machine, you're fucking done. Yeah, how are you going to know, though? Come on. That's, that's the first true. thing they're going to do. That's true. That's the first thing they're going to do. There are some very intelligent wrestling fans that listen no, to this is. show. No, there is. Tell me, first person to come back who on the Loki Jabroni show, who's the fake Diesel? <laughs> with the fat face. His real name and his gimmick that he did later <laughs> yeah, on. Exactly, exactly. You need his real name and you need the gimmick that he's known for now. Correct. He's known for now, people. Another another enduring gimmick. Yes. What, almost 20 years now. Exactly. He was at the show Tuesday night. Yeah, that's exactly. That was a, that was a shock for me. No, I like, love Wow, that. really? He's still here? Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but no... um. Since we are going to keep this essentially a wrestling, you know, a wrestling show and going on to um, the injuries in wrestling, um, we're not really indisclosed and we're not going to bring it up during this interview show because of... With Joe. Right, exactly. And, and even during the show, we're not going to bring up what he's doing. But these injuries are real. These injuries are occurring. Um, we're even talking about, like, off to the side with, with his partner, you know, Hawk. Mm-hmm. He battled with drug addiction and with alcohol addiction for years, for years, the WWE was so heartless. They they literally wrote his sad his sad story into the WWE. And, and Joe Wright writes that in the book is that they came to them and said we want to we want to touch on this, and it was Mike Hawk that came up and said I'll do it right. And in the book, Joe was just so disappointed. It was like why why, why yeah, exactly. would you do this? You you're, you just came out on the other side. You're all good. Why do you want to? Why do you want to relive? Recreate that? your own. Why, why, yeah, exactly. Why do you want to go through that again? Why do you want to put yourself through um, that again? Question for you, and we can ask Joe. Um, all the times they tried to recreate the Road Warriors with Joe, um, you had Draws, obviously. Yep. You had, you had uh, the Power Warrior, which is Suzuki. Kensuke Sasaki. Yeah, Sasaki. And then later on, you had uh, Heidenreich. Yes. Yes. When do you stop pissing in the well? You know what was kind of funny is Sasaki, I kind of felt, was a nice little he fit. addition. It was kind of crazy because at first I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> He's only like 5'6". <laughs> exactly. And Joe and Mike were both 
six plus. And, and, and you're not used to not seeing those two huge figures, which is why when Hemreich was out there, you you were like, yeah, wow. Hemreich, six six. Exactly. Big fucking dude. He made Joe look like the little but guy. But he was just like, he had like the, the first now, the per- personality of a turd. I agree. Um, he's so stiff. He was uh, just one. so fucking stiff, you know? He couldn't sell a move to save his soul. That was the other thing I really felt. There was a guy that came a couple years after him that I called for years, Heidenreich Jr. It was uh, Kozlov, the big Russian dude who wore the white and the yes, black. Yes, yes. And he had the same six moves. And I'm like, dude, that's like Heidenreich Jr. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. He was absolutely. terrible, but again, one, you know, they, a lot of these guys, they'll push the big monsters. The great Kali didn't have talent to save his life. Funny guy. I've watched some of the videos back. Oh, when and, he was doing the dance and oh, thing. Oh, yeah. The, when he was the with the freaks. Playboy. Yeah. Yeah, when he was with the, the freaks there yeah, the with freak Luna gimmick. and yep. everybody. But yeah. then go further on when he was the, the Indian playboy and he was doing the kiss cam. And, and Kali was fantastic doing that. But once that bell rings, it's all over. Yeah. He's, he, he could sell himself and get the crowd going, but those six moves just aren't enough to keep you entertained. And that's the problem with it. Um, Animal even talked about it during the interview. When they came in, bodybuilding wrestlers weren't a big thing. You were you were athletic, mm-hmm. but you weren't cut, and you didn't have this huge chest and oh, everything yeah. else. Think they about were, no, think about your champions in '82. And if I'm doing my timeline right, you guys can help me. I'm gonna try to remember as many as I can. Harley Race, yes, looked like the guy that owns the bar down the street. Fuck yeah, absolutely. Bob Backlund looks like the guy that works out at your gym. But he still goes to work every day in an Eats office. Eats pizza somewhere. and drinks yeah. beer. Yep. Um, Flair. Uh, 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 what's his fucking... Yeah. Uh, Ric Flair. And that was... The, yeah. That's, that's pretty much... Nick at, Bockwinkle. The, yes. I mean, these guys, are, these guys aren't brick by any imagination. No. Now, fast forward. Now you got Roman Reigns. Now oh, you yeah. got people like The Rock. Like John Cena. John Cena's got muscles built onto muscles that I didn't even know existed Exactly. I mean, this Lesnar, Batista. Um, do we want to go back any further with these muscle bound guys? And they take it a step further, and now they become these muscle bound guys with athletics. Oh yeah. And then they're the whole fucking package. The problem is that's where it ends. They think that's where it can sell themselves, and they forget all about this mic skill. Just like they said on the thing. Don't even have to be mic skill. People, personality. People are writing shit for people now and they still can't sell it. These guys are doing it on the fly just like we talked about with the pumpkin smashing mm-hmm. thing. This is just, they came out of nowhere and said, yo, I got these pumpkins. Yep. We're going to go and we're going to throw them. Monday night, I'm watching the show and Titus O'Neil, who is a big muscled up dude, looks like he could whoop any one of our asses. Looks like he could walk into the studio right now and kick both our asses. You with the left hand, me with the right hand. Yep. And again, like you said, they're right. They're not. They're not allowing these guys to go out and feel it because those were the best promos ever. Is when they felt it. Titus O'Neil has his thing written, and he fumbled it. Yes. Over and over again. And I'm a part of this little Facebook community called the WWE Puniverse. Please look it up. It's Puniverse. run by my. It's run by former guest Nat Peterson. Yes. And I put up there. I said, "Looks like Titus is suffering from fumble gums tonight." He tripped over every other word. Why? Because he's trying to remember. He's not going out there with right. feeling. Send him out there and say, I want you to talk about, okay, Loki, I want you to cut a promo right now. You're going to talk about Eddie Focus. You're going to talk about your upcoming cage match. You're going to talk about how bad you want to hurt him. And the date, the date is August 27th, 2016. Go to work. 
Exactly. Yes. Yes. And, and then you, you go out there and you cut it. Go out and you cut it, and then you freaking blow it. Now, the idea behind that being, you want to get anger behind it, especially if you're a heel. If you're not a heel, then you want to tell this heel why you're going to beat him because you're not the heel. It's raw human emotion. Exactly. Exactly. And it's just going off on. And and the thing with with how people work is, I don't. I when you, when you sit there and you watch these wrestling matches going on, and then you see a promo being cut after the match. There's there's a certain flair that you want to kind of go into. Me and you have played WWE, you know, 2K, 16, oh, yeah. 15, 13. I want to say it was 12 when they actually made you make the Raw and then you had to put in the, you know, put in the story plot and then they had you do like... Uh, yeah, I, little, I... You know what I'm saying? Too and much for me to do. It was... Exactly. <laughs> number one, it was a lot for you to freaking focus on. But number two, if you didn't get the flow right, the crowd went they down. Hated they hated it. So... This is where you – and it was kind of cool to see that side of wrestling, you know, that you don't yeah. really get to see the promo cutting and shit like that. But if you don't have somebody that can keep you going, you are – you're going to lose the crowd, man. You, you come out there and you got this guy, I'm going to kick your butt all over place and you're going to take it because you are a loser. Ah! Yeah, I'm not buying that. that you know. Now you got a guy that comes out and goes, you're a sucker. You're a born a sucker. I'm going to take that face. I'm going to rub it all over the place. I'm going to take you up to the front line. I'm going to show these people, make you sign autographs to these boys. Then I'm going to put you in one, two, three, pin your ass, and I'm going to get the gold all up in your grill. Or you could say this. Oh, Hogan, we're coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> I always love that one. And, you know, I, I love that clip. Booker T made a mistake on live national television, but you know what? That's before they handed him a script and said, "Okay, Booker." Yeah, <laughs> a guy who's probably never been inside a ring, never cut a promo. Okay, exactly. okay, Booker. <laughs> All right, dude, you gotta you gotta focus. We want so. you to tell Hulk Hogan how much you hate him, and then that he's terrible. No. Send him out there with the bullet points. Booker, yes. you're going to fight Hulk Hogan. Yes. Booker, you want to kick his ass, and the match is on September 5th. Go. And then you learn. You can be as awesome as you, as you can be in the ring. I've seen a million guys come and go when I used to work for Wrestling Online and go to these shows, independent, all over the country. There are a million guys who can do it in the ring, but you have to do it on the microphone as well. Exactly. Because if you don't, you're not going to get those people to care about you. People talked about Bob Backlund for years. Bob Backlund could not do an interview to save his life. I love Bob Backlund. I read his book. He, t- he tells you in his book, mm-hmm. I wasn't the greatest stick guy. But I, got, I came across just the way they wanted me. I'm the all-American boy. I'm just out there to give 110%, and I'm going to overcome every odd. And, but watch those promos. you got Vince McMahon all blustery. This Saturday night in the Hartford Civic Center, it'll be the Magnificent Morocco coming in to take on Bob Backlund. And we have Bob Backlund here. And what do you got to say? Well, Vince, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to give it 110% for all the great fans in Hartford. This belt means the world to me and you fans mean the world to me. <laughs> and you have to actually turn up your television. Yes. And yes. this is no disrespect to Bob Backlund, but you remember that as a kid. You're like, what the hell is he saying? What? Turn it up. What? And we didn't have the magic of re- reverse television. No, we like- were the remote, man. We had to go. Your dad would be like, turn that up. I can't hear it. I, 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 I didn't shit. hear that shit. I had, to walk, I had to walk three feet to turn up the television. You kids know fuck all. But... Seriously, and then 30 seconds later, it's like, and on that same card, it'll be Jesse the Body Ventura against Ivan Putskin. Here comes Ventura. Let me tell you something, Jack McMahon. I'm going to go out there and put the body breaker on, and he's just having a good time. There are guys, and Bob Backlund's talent carried him. 
Yes. And he'll tell you yes. that. Yes. No, absolutely. His talent carries And, that's, and I, I don't think we're, we're not saying that right now. No. That's exactly what we're saying. Some of these people, they walk in and gold dust, right? His body, come on, man. Not he, the best. He looked like a grapefruit. Yeah. So, in certain points of his career with that freaking bodysuit, he looked like Even a damn grapefruit. Even before that, when he was simply Dustin Rhodes, he did. He looked like, a, he looked like I don't know about it, something if a grapefruit and a, a pineapple had a baby, <laughs> yeah, right, it would be go. Dustin Rhodes. <laughs> but I mean, and nothing against him because he's a fucking fantastic wrestler. He is an outstanding wrestler. So, so there's number one right there. And Charisma... Dude, if he could have scooped some of that charisma and just threw it at some of the people right? that he was with at that time, yo, Raw would have been, whoo! That character like, was, God. you know, again we, again, we just sat and talked with Joe. Did you remember the first time, not to cut you up, did you yeah. remember the first time you heard, and he comes out in gold dust, and he's like, and all this gold, and you're like this, the fuck? What is this thing? What is going on? Is that Ric Flair? What is that? I remember the, the, the thing that got me the worst was they, they did all the uh, lead-in vignettes where they, they show him standing in front of the Doing Hollywood the 24 sign. 24-karat gold yep. shit. And I'm coming, and I'm going to take care of you, and you'll remember. <laughs> and all that. It was great. And then he came out. That first match, and he's got the, the robe, and the, the I didn't know it at the time. I thought maybe he took some time off, grew his hair out, the makeup. The he takes off the wig, and I'm like... Oh, my, <laughs> my God. God. <laughs> and then I, I watched him, and I, I knew. I knew, but I didn't know. But I, do, I knew, but I didn't know. Some guys changed their style. Stunning Steve Austin is a far cry from Stone Cold Steve Austin oh God, yeah. inside the ring. Oh God. Stone Cold was a brawler who was just out there to stomp a mud hole in your ass. Stunning Steve Austin was going to tie you in knots. Right. I expected Dustin Rhodes. What I got was this fantastic flam, but he did everything to piss you off to make you lose your head in the match, according to the story. And he had this different move set, a different mindset, and I bought the character. Absolutely. But dude. it was that, like you just said, that initial shock of just what in the bluest of blue hells am I looking at on what my What did you just create, right people? Right? I'll tell you what they created. They created freaking genius. No, they did. They did a freaking outstanding and job. And they took it a step further some years later with his brother and did Stardust, which I thought took that character dude. and... And, and not only that, the way that they incorporate him with live TV now, mm-hmm. he fucks with Arrow. Oh yeah, and and they and he's actually and Stephen Amell did SummerSlam yeah, exactly. last year. Come on, dude, that's so cool that they're doing that again. That is that's a good because not only that, now you're bringing in Arrow fans. Oh yeah, now they're like, yeah, that's right, Arrow beat Stardust. What's up now? You know, and it does. The guys on the side, like Mr. T watching. back right, in the day. Exactly. Um, They'll continue watching now. Yeah, who's the other Rockus and Who's the other Lawrence one? Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor. I, oh, all these freaking... How'd I forget that? Dude, I was there. The, the slam. The slam. Yeah. We need to do... Uh, it was... Uh, was it... No. Earthquake, right? The earth... No. The slam? What he slammed it? a big dude. Uh, Luger. Lawrence... Was it Luger? Lawrence Taylor slammed Luger? No. I thought Luger, it was a big Luger dude. Luger slammed Yokozuna. Yeah. Lawrence Taylor was Bigelow. Big, thank you, thank you, Bam Bam Bam. I knew it was a big dude. Because they were like, oh my God, oh my God. Apologies <laughs> to everyone I went to WrestleMania 11 with that I didn't remember that. Gun to my head, I have to come up with something. I was right. Oh my God. But no, no, that's, these are some of these, like we said, these are some of these wrestlers. And I think the biggest thing about the Road Warriors that kind of was such an attractive, like attractiveness to them is, in the time of wrestling, you had 15-minute matches, 20-minute matches, and these guys would just go in and, t- t- and just destroy oh, yeah. them in, like, three minutes. 
Sometimes and 30 seconds. on television, it was 30 seconds. Exactly. They never stopped the music. And they would have their shit off, and they're already pumbling them. And the next thing, doomsday, and you're like, one, two, three, and they're already walking away, and the music just continues. And you're yeah. like, what the fuck was that? And then, and then after the commercial, you come back, you got Barry Windham for 10 minutes, or you got uh, Ronnie Garvin for 10 minutes. But the Road Warriors came out, 30 seconds done. If it was a couple of more seasoned guys, maybe there three was, minutes. There was only one other person that I saw be able to do do exactly what they did, and that was Goldberg. Yeah. Go, and, and as much as you, at first, when they were doing the, you know, undefeated 120, 50, whatever freaking matches, and 40 of them were against Glacier. <laughs> like, <laughs> we got a little sick of that ourselves. I ain't going to lie. I you got know a what story I'm for you. Glacier had, like, four different transformations, and I think finally on that last <laughs> one when he just took, like, the fiftieth fucking jackknife. He was just like this. Yep. You remember? I he literally flipped off the crowd and walked away. We like, went to uh, Slambury in Worcester. I want to say it was ninety-seven, ninety-eight. What um, a cool intro, too. Mike Coons and Christine Coons. If you're out there, correct me on this. You got. I drove you guys. We all went up together, and it was, if I'm not mistaken, it was Goldberg against Raven. I want to say it was in a cage, and. The stipulation was like the flock. Raven's flock could be around the ring and right. do whatever they wanted, but Goldberg had to play by the rules. So you have six against one. And I said to Mike, if Goldberg wins this match, I'm going to go down the steps, I'm going to jump the barricade, and I'm going to go kick Goldberg in the nuts. <laughs> I, 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 was, I, I, was, I wasn't sick of the streak. I was sick of these crazy stipulations where he comes out looking like a more of a monster. And I love yeah. Bill Goldberg. What a what a fantastic, charismatic, just impactful guy. And strength, dude. Oh yeah. Dude, he jackknifed the fucking giant. Yep. So he wins the match. And I get up out of my chair. I had hurt my shoulder a couple weeks earlier. And what did I do? I got up out of my chair. I started running down the stairs. And I had a refrigerator looking man, six foot seven, bouncer security guy, just look up and goes. You ain't going nowhere, son. I looked at him. I said, I ain't going nowhere, son. I turned back around and went up to the seats. It was all over. I, I couldn't. Dude, when, when Goldberg, when he would come out, when they'd do that freaking knock on the door, and he's like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it built the monster. He, like I said, there's very, there's very few wrestlers besides, like I said, Road Warrior obviously being the first ones. Um, you know, there's very few people that could take the setup and just blow up the crowd the way that they blow them mm-hmm. up. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's in, it, these guys were like, like the, the first ones to do it. You I'll know? throw, I'll throw some names out that between the music, the entrance and the buildup, it just made the crowd explode. We'll start with the road warriors because they were really mm-hmm. one of the first with, with the music and, and the gimmicks on their shoulders and whatnot. You had the road warriors. You had the, obviously Hulk Hogan. The Ultimate Warrior, The Rock, Stone Cold. Just guys like that where all you have to hear is the glass shattering or if you smell or the first guitar riff of The Warrior, you knew shit was on. The difference between all those guys and The Road Warriors was you knew they meant business. And you can go back to Goldberg with the knock on the door and the security team, which I never understood. If you're a guy who's going to go out there and kick six asses, why do you need cops to lead you to the ring? That's for that. Yeah, a lot of people mad at you because you're undefeated. Right. And, and, and a lot, you got all those 10 Glacier fans that are just sick and tired <laughs> of seeing their boy get and beat up. And they're brothers and sisters. No, he didn't have no sisters. He didn't have nothing. 
That was that was an orphan that got a great fucking intro, and that was it. That, they, they, that was it. Joe and Mike turned the wrestling business upside well, down. Well, my, my biggest thing is, like I said, is is he was th- – how, how undefeated they were. You know what I'm saying? Like how they could just go in and just destroy. And Goldberg was the exact same way. He would go in, and he would just destroy the competition. Much like the you Yankees know? did to the Orioles last night. Oh, hi, Scott. Just throwing it out there. Scott's in the building. I don't get this t- that often, so I'm throwing it out there now. It's one time. Just one time, man. All I've done for the last week, <laughs> All I've done for the last week is talk about how the Yankees have to be washed out for. Yep. And you pee on me. I didn't pee on I'm just peeing on you for entertainment purposes. There's, there's some, there's some, there's as some, I extend my there's hand. There's some peeing going on in the, in the studio extend, right Dude, now. it was a lot closer than that 14-4 to 4 score. I'm just throwing that out there. But, we're, yeah, we're getting close <laughs> to that wrap-up time, so we got to start breaking down. Uh, into our top ten. But we do want to, like I said, we just want to give everybody... Goodbye, sweetie. Uh, niece Caitlin is leaving the building with her beautiful face. You be good, kid. Bye-bye. Uncle Mike and Uncle Chris are awesome uncles. Oh, and I just got the raspberries. How the hell did I earn that? <coughs> so, Anywho. Why, like we said, just WWE, do, do a little homework, please. Just retrain this guy. Figure out what's up with this guy. You know, Help Seth Rollins be the best Seth Rollins he can Exactly. Be. It's not like we hate the character. Like, the character's good. His, he does have charisma. He returns, what, two and a half months ago, and he comes to the ring. He says, hey, did you guys miss me? And, and 18,000 people stand on their feet. <sighs> oh, good, because I didn't miss you at all. Boo. He knows how to turn on that crowd and turn them off at the same time. Problem is, he's hurting people. Well, and let's not forget how he got back. He, he did a lot of hard oh, work yeah. to himself to get himself back. So it's not like he doesn't know how to do, do the work. I think he's just getting lazy, and I think he thinks that his name carries him more than it does. And if it does, that's, it's on him. But Seth? But it is on him, and it, he's it, hurting it, no, people. No, it is. And, and, and when, you, when you are hurting other people's careers, that's when people need to start looking back. Because mm-hmm. it's not just you. It's not just your brand that you're fucking up. Now you're fucking up Finn Browler. Now you're fucking up all these other tr- people that you're trying to bring up. You're trying to build a foundation. And if these guys are getting injured before they even get to start, you know? Exactly. I, I get you. Um, I, want, I got a quick hit for you before we talk about our good friends in Groton. KFC is now a very big sponsor of the WWE. In the middle of the show, during a commercial, they yeah. show the... Uh, Dolph Ziggler as the colonel versus the Miz as the chicken. Yeah. And they have an actual fight in the ring that they filmed earlier. So the immortal found this, and this was retarded. KFC has just unveiled an absurd new product. They're launching a fried chicken-scented sunscreen. I I saw that. They gave it away to the first 3,000 people who logged onto their website. It's uh, SPF 30. You visit ExtraCrispySunscreen.com. They're all gone. We tried. I wanted to have it here for this week. The uh, <laughs> Exactly. Do you want to get lo- bit by a dog? Because that's how you get bit by a dog, people. <laughs> the chief marketing officer, Kevin Hockman, said to Business Insider, suntan lotion always smells like suntan lotion. So we thought, why not make it smell like fried chicken? Now, this isn't the first time KFC has tried to do something crazy. They... A few months ago, they introduced an edible nail polish in Hong Kong as a play on the finger-licking-good slogan. The real question is, how does the sunscreen smell? So Business Insider took a bottle of the, sun, of the sunscreen, 
and said it had a very distinct smell, quite different than the scent of an actual sunscreen. Sniff testers described the sunscreen as smelling like everything from maple syrup to savory spices to milk bar cereal milk. One person smed... I'm so, blah, 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 blah. I see, that's me trying to read. It's all right. One person said it smelled just as it was intended, like the fried chicken's extra crispy outer coating. So the recolonization, we've watched it. There's, uh, I think Jim Gaffigan was one. Norm MacDonald was one. Now we right here we have a picture of George Hamilton yeah, as yeah, the extra that. crispy colonel. Yeah. I dig the rebranding. I like the extra crispy colonel. By I'm gonna, that shit is funny as at hell. The, at the end of it, <clears throat> Kevin Hockman says once again about his extra crispy scented suntan lotion. Who wouldn't want to smell like fried chicken? I'm going to leave that question to you, and then Me? I will. I, yeah, I, oh, said it, yeah. I said it earlier. Do you want to get bit by a dog? Because that's how you get bit by a dog, people. You smell like fucking fried chicken. So if your entire body smells like fried chicken... You're going to attract animals. Exactly. Not and the good kind like exact, we attract. And what if you got a really hungry raccoon? Have you ever seen... <laughs> raccoons don't give up. There is a video of a person swatting a raccoon with a... Fri- and I will... Dude, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> that raccoon's like, Bitch, did you just swing a broom at me? Bring that shit, yeah. bro. Up on his hind legs, came chasing after her. I was... Dude, I was dying. I was, You don't... If you smell like fine, tasty grilled... Chi- or fried chicken, you're going to get bit. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, the, when I saw that story, when, when Angela brought that to my attention, I, I looked at it and I said, this has gone too far. We, no, that to, is. You that go is. to the fair every year when we were kids. And again, we were kids like 109 years ago. You have fried dough. Fried dough and powdered sugar. Yeah. Well, you walk up to the fried dough booth now. They have like chocolate mocha latte. Oh, they, they got, got yeah. apple pie. They got, they, what happened? The apple to pie fried one's good, though. Fi- I, I, I heard. I, <laughs> I like the apple pie one. I, I heard about the apple pie one. I was like, ooh, I'd like to try that. See, because I've actually, but I used to do that because I would actually take a fried dough and not get the powdered cinnamon. And they would, down the road, they'd have, you know, like a toppings place and stuff for ice cream. And they'd have the hot apple stuff. Ooh. And I would just buy All right, the all right, apple, all right. And I'd dip it. So I've been doing that for years. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. But shit like like the the snickerdoodle with nuts and shit on it. I mean, yeah, you are just going a little too far with that. But it's still, it is fair food. And then, you know, if I know I'm going to a fair, the first thing I'm doing is not eating for like a week of because not. I know I'm my I'm just going to. All be I had gouging. was the super sausage last just night because you know had a great going away party. <laughs> and uh, my I, I'm going to post a picture of the cake on the Loki and Jabroni Show Facebook page. It was the best cake ever. Nice. Did you see the picture? I did. I did. Was that fantastic? That was fantastic. That was. So fantastic. I got two birthdays and one anniversary I want to throw out before we get. Which into, we will uh, be celebrating tonight. Yes, we will one be celebrating. We will be celebrating at the seven or at Tokyo Sushi, which is at seven eighty three. That's North Main Street, I, I believe. Right? Is that North Main Street or Route thirty two? Guys, if you're, in- I think it's Main Street. I think it's just regular Main Street. Thames Street. Thames. Thames, thank you. I had to think it's about that. It's 783 Thames Street in Norwich, Connecticut, right across from the old Don Mallon Chevy, which is now... Scranton Motors. Scranton Motor, and they sell everything over there, including Chevys and Kias and all that. It's, it's weird seeing a fucking Isn't it? That's Corvette. been Chevy for 40 right, years. I, and you see this gorgeous Corvette, and then right next to it is this Kia, and you're like, <laughs> <laughs> fuck you, man. Why do you got to fuck with me right now? But no, we are going to be having a great time, karaoke, drinking. It's going to be fun. Fun. It's going to be mad. And the best part is it doesn't happen often. 
other than here at the Valhalla Entertainment Complex. But when it does, it's always a party. Loki and Jabroni in the same building. Yep. Drinking beer, raising hell, stomping mud holes, and walking it dry. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah, baby. Yes, indeed. So to Rhiannon Bishop, who is the one we're <laughs> celebrating tonight at Tokyo Sushi. Happy birthday, Rhiannon. Happy also, birthday. we have Amy Guile, who I've called Joe for more years than I care to remember. Happy and birthday, Joe. I'm not going to tell the story about why we call Amy Joe, but happy birthday, Joe. We also have an anniversary today. Don't know if anybody saw it. But uh, again, being a man, I don't pay attention to things like this. Uh, the Immortal and I are celebrating two years as official 100%. We made the commitment, even though we'd been dating for two and a half months, give or take. Oh, so that was a committed, dated It was very committed, dated. And then made, we date. just made, we, just, we were just like, this is it. This is what we want to do. So today is the day that you decided to. Today years is ago. the day that I walked the plank and got on the ship. Today of is the day Andrew. that we are one year anniversary also at uh, Pistol Pete's. That is correct. Look at that. <laughs> so many a lot, anniversaries. A lot to of go funny around. things going on here today. Uh, one thing that is not going to be funny is my top ten list. I have taken my top ten list and done a. But before you say a word, we have to show some love. Oh. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. How about talking about Sublime Inc. Our friends in Groton, Connecticut, five seventy seven Route Twelve, in the aforementioned town of Groton, Connecticut. The phone number is eight six zero four four five. Four two zero zero. You want a sick tattoo? You want a body piercing? You want a butt rub? Go down and see my man Falcon Dave Kovalik, who I'm going to see in a week or two. Go down and see the Batgirl, Dana Bats. Go down and see the hairy monster, Justin Fur. Or, if you are feeling just a little bit saucy, you could take your time and get in your car and travel to Groton. And you could go see our good friend who likes to kill people in boiler rooms with a glove. Dave the Nightmare Kruger. If he doesn't get business from that lead in, I don't know. Go in and tell him we sent you. Let him know we love them as much as they love us. And now, without further ado, we give to you. So, I have decided this week to pay a little homage to some of my favorite matches that I have witnessed over the course of my life of the Road Warriors, Ooh. Legion of Doom, Hawk and Animal. Nice. Um, so, this is exactly this. This is Hawk and Animal. I could have done a couple different matches where the different ones, but I just went with the Hawk and Animal matches. So, okay. a lot of these are going to be older and you're going to be like, oh, you could have pulled off this one and I could have. Yes. <laughs> yes, I could have. So However, all, this is my list. This is exactly warriors. what I wrote. Yeah, this is, okay. this is what I decided to put together. I hope you guys enjoy it. So, number 10, I have the Legion of Doom versus Money, Inc. SummerSlam 1992. Great match. I have number 9, Legion of Doom versus Power and Glory, WrestleMania 7. 58 seconds long. Exactly. That's now. <laughs> that was that oh, the ass whooping you talked about before. Exactly. Power and Glory, the funny, the funny, and this is why I only have them at nine. Power and Glory was supposed to be like this, the, the, the new, the new wave yeah. of tag teams. You know what I'm saying? It's supposed to be, bring it in. And the Legion of Doom just said, 58 uh, seconds. Up and, your and ass. Pretty much sat on that. Pretty up much sat ass. on that. Um, 
besides the Road Warriors, I think everybody knows this, my second favorite tag team. Number seven, Road Warriors versus the Steiner Brothers. Oh, yeah. Nitro. Oh, yeah. March 11th, 1996. They went on, and if you guys remember, they're still doing commercial breaks, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have commercial breaks, maybe, maybe three in a good match. Maybe three. Yeah. Three commercial breaks. Five commercial wow. breaks these guys went. Always Five commercial breaks. Always good matches between them. And let's not forget, their, their freaking finishers are very close. Oh, yeah. Very close. You the, know what I'm saying? The bulldog gimmick yeah. and then the doomsday. Exactly. You also had the Frankensteiner on the side with Scott. Yep, exactly. So, I mean, it was these, these were at the time. That's when the Steiner brothers were, were awesome. And then Scott swallowed a Volkswagen and... <laughs> The rest is history. Yeah, oh, yeah, we know what happened. <laughs> He's still a great wrestler. We're not oh, trying yeah. to take it away from him. Don't, be, don't come beat us up, man. Look up my interview on WrestlingOnline.com with Scott Steiner. Um, I, I went – I do go twice with this just because I really do feel like these guys were the one tag team that really showcased the Road Warriors, not only talent, but what they could really do in the ring. Okay. So number six, Road Warriors versus Skyscrapers. Now, this is the NWA Clash of Champions 10, all right? So this is the one that they meet beforehand. Yeah. So keep that one in mind. It was the start of the whole, yeah. Yes, yes, yep. Number five, Road Warriors versus the Midnight Express. Scaffold match, NWA, (laughs) Scarcade, 1986. You heard all about it in the interview. (laughs) The... the, The, the mind games <laughs> itself, if you guys have never seen it, Google, just Google it. Watch these pumpkins getting thrown off and these guys just laughing. Bobby! Watching them just laughing maniacally as the, and the slow motion pumpkin. And see, going back to our point earlier, that was genius. They did that. They did that. It wasn't a writer. Exactly. It wasn't some producer. It was they like. They said, Dusty, Dusty Rhodes yeah. came up to him and said, you know, it would be a really good idea yeah. if you guys took some pumpkins that are just laying around here anyways. And they ran with it. And they fucking ran with it like liquid gold, It's baby. right in that time that Stargate used to be uh, Thanksgiving, so you had pumpkins everywhere. Exactly. It was, it was genius. It Back was to NWA genius. again. So number four, Road Warriors versus the Samoan SWAT team. Clash great. of Champions 8. Uh, you see a few NWAs in here, and I know maybe you guys growing up didn't get a chance to see NWA. I was lucky enough to the point where we know, had that four-hour block. Exactly. And um, we had people that would pay for pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. So, like, we got a really Those good Those were really good exactly, friends. Exactly. Exactly. And this is a time when you really didn't get to see these matches. And let me tell you, please, please go back and watch some of these matches. These guys worked their ass off in the nwa they really did man i mean and if you want to see a young rikishi (laughs) yes before his butt became like a volkswagen in and of itself go watch that match Uh, yeah Yeah, the samoan swat team they were badass they were brutal back then if if anybody could almost match the brutality of the road warriors of that era Mm -hmm. the samoan swat team was Samoan wrestlers in general with the exception to me with the exception of like roman reigns roman reigns the usos are fantastic no they are the the problem with the usos is they i think they're too they get injured a lot they're very they're very injure prone you know what i'm saying they fight do they fight seth rollins a lot (laughs) maybe i gotta look that one up But fucking, but Roman is. Screw you, Seth. Roman is just a watered down version of chocolate milk. 
He's like you who put through <laughs> with extra water. He really is. He is not a true Samoan. I'm sorry. I'm not you might be my blood by blood, brother. But you might be by blood. But let me tell you, dude, you, you, uh, you I might never look at chocolate milk the same again. Right, right. <laughs> number number three, I have made this one could have been my number one. It really could have. I've I've made it known since the interview. This is one of my favorite ones. Road Warriors versus Harlem Heat, WCW Ooh. Might Nitro, February twenty sixth, nineteen ninety six. Once again, those guys were all over the oh, place. Yeah. Booker T thought he had it won, and boom, he got freaking put out. But at the end of the match, you guys don't get to see the behind the scenes. Booker T was starstruck. Oh, yeah. He said it himself. He couldn't do half the moves that he wanted to do. He had he a was, whole plan. It's in his book. It was fantastic. He and said, he did, oh. when you're out there with these guys, he's like, it's not only nostalgia, but you think because it's nostalgia, they ain't going to hit you. He oh, goes, yeah. but then when you get hit by a power slam by animal, you get hit oh, by yeah. a power slam. The second part of that is you're standing in the ring. You're Harlem Heat. You are a decorated tag team. You hear the music. You hear the roar of the crowd, the warrior pop. You see them walking out with their shoulder pads and studs, and you're just immediately, you're like, I can either piss myself or I can try to do this the way it was mapped out, and you lose your mind. Exactly. It's okay to get starstruck. Number now, number two. I have a nice little tie. This is this. The reason why I got a tie is because the, the uh, skyscrapers came back again. Yep. So we'll do the little split off. Number two goes both to the Road Warriors versus the skyscrapers in the NWA Halloween Havoc 1989. That's right. when they come back and they get their little revenge. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I, I included skyscrapers twice because of that reason. Like I said, I really felt like that was the one team that really tested them just mm-hmm. just from their sure size and everything that oh, they yeah. had to do for them. You know what I'm saying? And in the skyscrapers, you had Sid, who was just a monster. A monster. Everybody dude. knows Sid. Fucking monster. We had Danny Spivey, who, despite being was six, huge. seven, he was huge. But he was huge. If you watch him, he reminded you of Barry Windham. He reminded you, and in, in nowadays, you could look at a guy like Cena or someone. He had all the moves. He was just a bigger guy. And, uh, the only reason really why good. I felt like they didn't take off was because of those guys. They had all of them had the talent, like Mike-wise, of a professional turd. They couldn't put a promo together to save any of their collective lives. Go look lives. up Sid Vicious promos, and you'll understand what he <laughs> oh means. Oh, my God. Some Please, of the worst yeah, shit save ever. yourself. Save yourself. They are. They're, they're terrible. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, but my number two actual, like I said, I kind of put them on All the right. side. My number two actual, Road Warriors versus Sting and Lex Luger, WCW, Ooh. Monday Nitro, February 5th, 1996. The return. The return of the Road Warriors wow. against two of the most iconic names of WCW at that time and of possibly anything of the Southern Wrestling oh, yeah, at that absolutely. time. I mean, those guys were fucking on fire. On fire. Absolutely. Um, I have made number one, without a doubt, entertainment-wise, how they came back, everything else that they went through. Number one is the Road Warriors with Ahmed Johnson versus the Nation of Domination. <laughs> WrestleMania, baby. They come out wearing black gold. Ahmed Johnson's coming out there with them. Listen, the match was pure garbage. It was garbage. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take anything away from me. Shut up already. <laughs> How come you can do that and I can't? I'm not taking anything away from the match because, you know, the match itself, what it symbolized at the time, you know, and we're going through it right now, people. 
We're going through it again right now. The Road Warriors walk down with Ahmed Johnson. Think of that symbol in mm-hmm. itself. You know what I'm saying? They are facing the nation of domination, and that what they stood for is exactly everything that we're This is a continuing cycle, and like I said, it just goes to show you wrestling will show you through the years the fads that we go through. Oh, without question. Just just watch it. Just see the shit, and I want you guys to fucking learn something from that match. At the end of the day, you know who won. Mm-hmm. Road Warriors and Ahmed Johnson. You know exactly what happened. Pearl River Plunge, the freaking do- the Doomsday Device, one, two, three, the match is over. Ahmed Johnson gets his freedom, does that whole fucking thing. They all thank the Road Warriors, blah, blah. Road Warriors once again get pissed on, and they got thrown to the side again after that. That's the one reason why I absolutely hate that match, because what the repercussions came afterwards, they, they yeah, did they nothing got, with the Road Warriors. They, the they let fucking Ahmed ride the wave of that for fucking months, dude. Months he got to enjoy that fucking power well, Funny trip. you bring him up, because he was another guy back then who was hurting a lot of guys. He didn't know what he was doing. He just was a monster. All you did was he, just... I, I'm gonna, I'm, I, you know what? I say that about Seth Rollins. I'll say that about Ahmed Johnson. He knew what he was doing. But there's a difference between knowing Look, and executing. The Pearl River Plunge and the Batista Bomb are same. pretty much the exact same move with a same, little same. twist here. Right. Batista never hurt anybody to the extreme that Ahmed Johnson did. No. Not and at all. I think it was just like I said. When you try to sell a move more than it gets sold, and I think that's one of the problems with Seth Rollins, is he tries to oversell his move to a point where he really does Fantastic lose the, you know, he loses, like you said, the aim. When somebody is letting you go, it's just like when you're riding on the back of a motorcycle. If you if you ever been a passenger on a motorcycle as a kid, yeah. did you ever, like, go the opposite way? Yeah. And, and, the, pa- and the driver's Throws telling you to stop. He's, yep. Stop, stop, just stay with me, just stay with me. you got to get that trust. And and that is one of the things that a lot of people, when he was there, we've yeah. seen the video, the trust was there. Seth, these guys trust you with their lives, their careers, and you're not you're not yeah. following. And it the word me. is out there. You want to you want to tell me I'm full of shit on Twitter? Feel free. Tell but... Bret Hardy's full of shit. Exactly. Tell Finn Balor he's full of shit. My phone number is right out there, man. We Come want to absolutely. Real quick before we do end this, I I, I gave a quick shout out to uh, RVD. I'm I'm on his page. Yep. He didn't get back to me yet. I asked him the same question: Has he ever wrestled with Seth Rollins? I don't know if he's going to give me the, any information. But I just asked him one: What is your theory on him? And two: Is he stiff? And do you think he needs some practice? So maybe, maybe, just maybe, you know, RVD will get back to no, me. No, I'll give. Let me give a lot of credit to RVD. You know, there were guys, if you were like me back in the day, not so much anymore, that was scouring the internet for any little piece of backstage thing, and guys were complaining, "Oh, RVD's kick busted my lip," or "RVD's kick yeah, gave yeah. me a black eye." Well, let me explain something. You can work the next day with a busted lip. You can work the next day with a black, black eye. eye. <laughs> matter of fact, it actually works for you because you're out there and you physically look injured. Right. And you're still wrestling. Realism. Right. You cannot go out the next day with a torn labrum in your shoulder or a busted knee or a busted-ass nose. You can't do these yes. things. Those are minor injuries. So everybody who ever said, oh, RVD is too stiff, you're an idiot. No, he's a goddamn. He gave everything. Stun- yeah, he's a stunt. Right? He's oh, a fucking question. old show, man. The difference between RVD and Seth Rollins is the difference between a black eye and a torn shoulder. Yeah, it's absolutely. that simple. Absolutely, guys. Like we said, thank you very much for listening to us every single weekend. You have one more week before Sully the Scully gets turned into Bloody Marys. Bloody Marys, dude. I'm sorry, it's happening. It's happening. I, I've done it so much. It's past a year now. I want to give it away, but we're tired I'm, of looking at him. 
I'm thirsty too, man. Yeah. Thirsty. Want to make some of that? Um, bulk ones will be dropping today. We do had some. Uh, we did have issues with the uh, with uh, audio, I guess, last week. To the you know what's fucked up. That will be getting dropped today, also. So you will actually get to have to catch up and get both episodes pushed into you at once so i hope you guys enjoy this i hope you guys have a great weekend if you guys are in the norwich area please drop by wish uh, wish jabroni and the immortal a very happy anniversary two years come on down and wish rihanna a happy birthday and uh if joe's in the area if joe's which, in the area joe come out joe come Amy on down and, come on. And, and and come say happy birthday because we're just gonna have a great time guys it's karaoke it's fun there's, i'm gonna get uh, my huey lewis on i got to check this out you ready hold on i know that i know they can't see it but I'm going to do my little Huey Lewis move. I'm, right I'm going to get a little Green Day going today. Green Day, yep, nice. Yep, yep. Did your so. woman tell you I did Mr. Roboto the yeah. other night? <laughs> I had the robot going. <laughs> you want to come out and see a show? Come see us. It's going to be a good time, guys. And uh, please, like we said, be look, be on the lookout for Animal Part 2. You got it.